Hey guys, this is episode two. This week we're going to be focusing on bog bodies and their demise. Janelle is going to go ahead and read a poem called The Graubella Man by Seamus Heaney. As if he had been poured in tar, he lies on a pillow of turf and seems to weep. The black river of himself, the grain of his wrist, is like bogged oak. The ball of his heel, like a basalt egg. His instep has shrunk, cold as a swan's foot or a wet swamp root. His hips are the ridge and purse of a muscle, his spine and eel arrested under a glisten of mud. Welcome to Plot Twist. starts gradually accumulating some decaying plant matter. That plant debris uh, becomes peat. So on top of this peat, um, a special type of moss called sphagnum starts growing over top. You've got this plant matter, stagnant water that's not able to drain and that the moss prevents evaporation. So you get this really stagnant water pretty densely filled with with the dying plants. Or uh, dying other things. Or other things. Mm-hmm. They're common in northern climates like Ireland, Britain, and Scandinavia because they can collect in former basins created by glaciers. They're home to a lot of unique plants and insects. Carnivorous plants are really, really common there, um, like sundews and butterworts, because there's not a lot of, um, not a lot of nutrients in the soil so they kind of adapt and they get a lot of their energy from eating bugs lovely Uh, (laughs) lovely uh the other thing that grows there is uh hairy canary flies and they only live in peat bog and it's kind of like a like an indicator of when you see hairy canary flies there's a bog and one other interesting thing about bogs is that they're carbon sinks so they sequester carbon in that peat so they end up having like a negative carbon footprint but once they're drained for peat harvesting that carbon is released back into the atmosphere so that can contribute to climate change but the peat having those bogs can help protect and decrease the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. That is super interesting. Yeah, so they're really important, um, like, ecologically, because there's a lot of animals, plants, insects that depend on these areas. And they're actually, for being so nutrient deficient, they're actually really biologically diverse. So we're going to be talking a lot about peat this episode, so I'm going to kind of explain what that is. Peat is the forgotten fossil fuel. While oil, coal, and natural gas are exported around the world, few outside Northern Europe are aware of this energy source. Um, Until I started researching for this episode, I had never heard of it before. So peat forms in the bogs. The bogs' acidity prevents 
this vegetation from fully decaying. This partially decayed organic material builds up in the bogs, and over millions of years, it becomes peat. Some of this decayed material may indeed include remnants of bog bodies. That is absolutely wild. Never mm-hmm. occurred to me. The peat is then harvested, and through the process of removing the water, they are turned into bricks and then can be used to heat your homes and businesses, potentially with bodies. You never know, which is... Just putting that out there. Oof. Crazy thought. And this is so important because, as you're going to see, a lot of the bodies are found when they're trying to harvest that peat. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just going to briefly touch on the chemistry of these bog bodies. So the most well-preserved bodies are in raised bogs. The low oxygen and high acidity environment helps preserve these bodies at like an amazing level of preservation. The breakdown of sphagnum moss releases sphagnum and tannins, which leach the calcium from bones and halts bacterial growth. This tans the skin and prevents it from decomposition. Decomposing? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. What's really cool about the tannins is so many of these bodies are found with like a reddish coppery hair. And that comes from like sitting in those tannins that dyes their hair that color. Mm -hmm. I think um, in a lot of the research I was going through, originally they didn't know that's why the hair was red. And um, assumed that that was like the natural color of their hair. So like years later when they had more research um, to prove that that is actually not necessarily the color of their hair. They're, that probably was so weird for them. They're yeah. like, wow, all these redheaded all these people redheads. are like in these bogs. They probably were trying to piece something together that wasn't even there. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. The calcium leaching promotes skeletal breakdown, leaving bodies with the appearance of an empty leather bag. I hate looking at these pictures i'm sorry it's so interesting but it just it's i get so squeamish it literally just looks like it looks like a like a purse a purse that's such a good way to describe it or like this is kind of gross but i liken it to like a roasted ham it is it's basically just skin and organs right On the other hand, transitional bogs and fens preserve bones while the soft tissue tend to disintegrate. These types of wetland exchange more water through groundwater and streams, so they tend to be less acidic. Uh, We were doing some research, too, on there's a, a big bog in Florida, and that's this, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's a transitional bog or not, or, you know, the more, the fen. But that's what those bodies look like. They don't have a lot of the skin. They have those, just pretty much the bones and some of their organs. Oh, very different from the bodies we're going to be talking about. Yeah, it's really interesting to compare the Florida remains Mm -hmm. to the European bog bodies. They look totally different. Yeah. There have been around 122 recorded bog bodies found. The newest ones on record uh, have been are soldiers that have been killed in the wetlands in the former Soviet Union during the Second World War. But the majority of them are Iron Age people. 
The explanation for bog bodies isn't one size fits all. A lot of them are believed to be ritual sacrifices. Neolithic people believed bogs were portals to another world or where like the sky meets the earth. So they were kind of, I guess, sacred to them. And they often left offerings and votives to their goddess in these bogs in exchange for good weather or good crops. So leaving some of these people, these bodies in the bogs that have been killed, leads us to believe that some of them were human sacrifice. That's so interesting. Yeah, I was reading a bunch of stuff about the theory of human sacrifice here. Um, And one of them was they were leaving people to the goddess of fertility. I don't know if you read that. I did. Yeah, there's a it seems like this goddess that they worshipped had a lot of different a lot of areas had a lot of different purposes, I guess. She Mm -hmm. was the goddess of fertility, goddess of land, goddess of war. So I guess they could offer people to or (laughs) people or sacrifices to her for for just about anything. Yeah. Well, it kind of feels like she's like a goddess of like bounty, like Ooh, yeah. the crops, the land, fertility. It's all bountiful things for mm-hmm. them to keep their communities alive and well and growing. Yeah. And probably one of the most important things is that bounty. What more could you ask for? <laughs> money, honey. Money, honey. <laughs> I guess it's bounty for us these days. Yeah, you're right. One of the other things people think is that they may have been punished as these maybe people, it might have just been a convenient way to dispose of people who had been punished for various crimes. You know, they're not going to bury them in the ground or however, you know, they normally bury their dead because, you know, it's not really a sign of respect. So they put them in the bog. And then another more recent theory is that Maybe these people weren't actually, some of them, a lot of them seem to be ritual sacrifice, but some of them may actually have been foreign to the community. There are, there's a lot of evidence for a few of the bodies that they were not from the local community. Through analyzing their hair, their skin, they have found that they were either travelers or people that maybe had married into the community and one of the things that they had that scholars had suggested is that they were buried in the bogs because they weren't sure what this person's ritual sacrifice were or they were new to the community and didn't feel the need to bury them with their other bodies so interesting Another thing, another theory that I heard um, about why the bog bodies have ended up there was one saying that whoever the native people of the land were at the time, maybe they weren't living by the bog, but they would come back to the bog like miles and miles trekking through to bury their, possibly their loved ones there. So it could have been... I know you were talking about the spirituality of the bog and how it, what'd you say, like the sun and the land and the moon and like another universe. But I think it was like maybe a spiritual reason that they would keep bringing their dead back to the bog. 
Um, so that's another theory. There's a lot of theories out there, and there's a lot of different bogs out there in different environments and different communities, so it could very well be that all of these theories are true, or none of them. We don't know. Right. I think the, what was it, the, 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 like we were talking about earlier, that Florida bog, the Windover mm-hmm. bog, that's one of them that seems like, like you were saying, it was a burial place. Yeah. It was like a, a burial place of respect for these people. Mm-hmm. Like a family, family plot almost. Yeah. And so we don't know a lot about these individuals. I know we said that the bog preserves their bodies and they're from the Iron Age, but that's like 2,300 years ago to put in perspective. So Or longer. Or longer. There's only so much we can determine from these bodies, but because they were so well preserved, we have uh, learned a lot of very interesting things. one of the many bog body stories this is what you've all been waiting for this is what you've been waiting for this is what you tune in for (laughs) the grotesque stuff (laughs) the dark stuff so my bog body is Graubele man we're just gonna call him grau for short i like the nickname like he's our friend he's our friend we're homies The Grau Man is a bog body that was uncovered in 1952 from a peat bog near the village of Graubele in Jutland, Denmark. A peat cutter discovered the body while working. They believe the body was from a more recently deceased peat cutter who went missing and was believed to have gotten drunk and maybe fallen into the bog. This was 65 years ago, so more recently, I'm putting air quotes, (laughs) quite more recently, but it's still quite a while to discover a missing person 65 years later. Mm -hmm. The body was way older than 65 years. In fact, the body, now known as Growl, (laughs) Growl Man, our friend, was 2,300 years old and would have been alive during the Iron Age. A local amateur archaeologist, so not really an archaeologist. I mean, amateur. It's It's like how... It's like us going and digging around. Yeah, it's like us and how we think that we're mycologists because we like mushrooms. Yeah, so not the most knowledgeable. So a local amateur archaeologist and local town doctor were called to examine the body They didn't have the knowledge or the means to understand the age and the whereabouts, so they called on the professionals at the Arhof Prehistory Museum. I apologize if I did not pronounce that correctly. There, at the museum, they determined the bog body must have been 30 years old at the time of death. And miraculously, he still had a full head of red hair, Going back to what we talked about before, probably not actually a redhead. The body had slight facial hair and soft fingertips that indicated he didn't do much manual labor and probably until the end had an overall gushy, luxy lifestyle at the time. It's so crazy to me that 
after all that time, he still has, like, stubble and, like, hands that they're able to analyze. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but I would not think to look at somebody's fingertips to kind of tell me what their lifestyle was like. No. It just amazes me what these archaeologists, forensic scientists, Mm -hmm. are able to tell from these ancient bodies, or even recent bodies. They can find so much about a person. Right, and then this was back in the 50s, too. And how much more do we know now? We've learned a lot more since then, but that was something that they figured out and determined back in the in the very early 50s so really interesting stuff through extensive testing they were even able to look at his stomach so very interesting these bog bodies not only are their skin their outer body very well preserved many times all of their organs are still preserved as well and think about how quickly, when a person's, a recent body is buried, how quickly those soft tissues and those organs decay. The fact that that is left over, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Um, a lot of them even still have their brain. We're not going to go too much into it in this episode. Um, but it was the bog in Florida. They discovered a lot of bog bodies and to their surprise there was something kind of heavy rolling around in their head that they thought might have just been peat moss in there but no it was actually a brain eight thousand year old fully intact brains amazing crazy but amazing um but they were able to look at brow's stomach content and found that his last meal was that of porridge berries and herbs Along with his last meal, they found poisonous fungi ergot. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. Brow found, was found naked with four of his lumbar vertebrae missing, his skull fractured and right tibia broken, along with a slit throat, ear to shining ear. <laughs> wow. A lot of injuries. They did not mess around. They were like, no. th- every single vein and artery severed. It's pretty grotesque. Um, so all of these injuries, you know, they can't really tell. They think many of these external injuries may have happened after death while lying in the bog. They can't say that for sure, though. But the, the slit throat was definitely purposeful and did not happen after death in the bog. So the exact cause of death is a mystery, but they have two theories that people have taken a liking to. The first is that he was a criminal caught and murdered for his crimes. The tribes of Northern Europe historically were very strict and followed the laws. It was very common to kill a wrongdoer feels very likely to me that that could be a definite a definite reason why he had that slit throat and ended up in there. The second theory, my favorite theory, <laughs> is that he was sacrificed. Based on this theory, his hands may have remained so smooth because his life was always meant to be cut short 
by ritualized murder. Wait, so are you saying that he was basically raised to be a human sacrifice? Yes, that's the theory. How do you live your whole life knowing that you are going to be thrown in a blog someday? A sacrifice to the gods. I mean, I assume that this was probably, you know, he probably had that gushy, luxurious type lifestyle because he was going to be the ultimate sacrifice to this tribe, to these people. And it was probably looked upon as an honor. I mean, possibly worth it, honestly. Uh, He was very young. (laughs) A price I'm willing to pay. I mean, yeah, back then life was tough. So to be able to live 30 years, which might have actually been a pretty long life back in the Iron Age. Yeah, and if I didn't have to lift a single plow, <laughs> I was not built for manual Did not labor. have to lift a plow. <laughs> not built for manual labor. <laughs> not the life for me. I'll just no. cut it short. We'll just slip my throat and throw me in the bog. <laughs> not to get all religious on you, but this actually kind of reminds me of Jesus. Like, the fact that he lived again about 30 years mm-hmm. knowing his whole life that he was going to be a sacrifice right kind of a really weird like parallel there i think it is i mean we don't know anything about his day-to-day you know i'm not sure if he was like jesus in the way that he was trying to show people the the right way to live or you know mm, helping people in the community <laughs> probably not but there is a parallel there and it's interesting because if he was born and raised i mean maybe even before he was born maybe they even said to the family your next born child will be this you know this revered this honored almost demigod like figure who will be sacrificed for us to save our community to build our crops to to grow our our people in our community by like the god of fertility and to to grow our land he may have Really, I mean, I said living a gushy lifestyle, but mm-hmm. people probably came up to him with gifts, asking him for like prayers in the afterlife. You know, this could have been like the high person of their community. Yeah, and I mean, what I feel like it'd be odd to be that parent and be like, your child's gonna be sacrificed. Like, what an honor, but at the same time. What a hard thing to know because everybody, you know, especially you know that many years ago. What is the perception of things? Maybe you, maybe you truly do feel like no regret about it and feel like this is this is the way. This is this is my child. What an honor to have a child who's going to save our community. And they might have believed that they would come back. You know, maybe they believed in um, coming back in an earthly form as maybe even someone higher up than the person in the community made to be that sacrifice. Their promise of a better life. I don't know. I would love to go back and just to find out the real answers of what's going on because so much of it is just speculation. Right. And, and, you know, this individual lived to be 30 years old. At what point as the parent or the head of the community do you let this child in on your life is meant to be a sacrifice? 
Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. You know, how how would that conversation go? Um, do they tell them at all? Surprise! I assume, I assume, you know, but I don't know. I mean, that's how, how as a parent do you say, hey, I got to sit you down and tell you something. It's your 30th birthday. You're out of here. Gone. Done. So we're going to throw you in the bog. But it's all for the, the, the better, like the better good of our community. Or maybe. Oh, okay, mom. Thanks. I'm going to go play out back. <laughs> or maybe just, you know, 30th birthday, doing happy birthday, got the cake. You know, high priest comes up behind you, slits your throat. That's it. You don't know any better. I wouldn't want to know it was Mm-mm. coming. No. I would not want to know. No. Surprise me. Birthday surprise. Bur- Bog person. Surprise. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's thought to be ritualized murder, and this would also support the finding of that fungi in his stomach. LSD and hallucinogens were often used as part of rituals, which this may very well have been. Although we may never truly know what happened, Grub, Grubale, our man, our homie, he is now publicly displayed in Denmark for all to see. Something I, my creepy self, would love to see. Oh, we gotta get there. I think, I mean, this is something I think we would probably do a whole episode on, but displaying of the dead. Yes. Yes. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. Now, I'm interested to hear all about your story, Janelle. My presentation for the class is on the old Crocken man. Ooh. He was found near old Crocken Hill in County Athali, Ireland. So in 2003, he was found by some workmen digging a drainage ditch through the bog. Earlier that year, uh, about 45 kilometers away they had um, other workers had found um, another body uh, Cloney Coven man and so it was kind of a weird thing that they were both they had a lot of similarities as well interesting yeah and this was 2003 so this really is quite recent yeah I guess you could say yeah I would I mean I would say so uh, so when they found him, he was just a torso and arms. There's no head, no pelvis, and no lower body. Wait, so just a torso and arms. What did this man think as he was like digging through the bog and just finds part of a body? What happened to the rest of him? Just like Grabelli Man, they had looked into it as a murder investigation because, I mean, what else would you think? Right. Um, so they looked into that, but turns out that he is somewhere between 362 BC and 175 BC. And they found that out through radiocarbon dating. Ooh, wow. Right. 
the reason I picked the old Crockin man for my report for the class was because it's so fascinating to me how much information they were able to get from a man, a body who was just a torso and arms. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. No head, no legs, no pelvis. Nothing. Nothing. I, we might, I might be getting ahead. Did they ever find the rest of his body? Nope. Okay. Mysterious. You would think, I would think that maybe it'd be in the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what leads them, well, part of the reason what leads them to believe that his body was severed at the time of death. They think that at the time of death, his head and his lower body were severed. And as so the body that was uh, found nearby, the Cloney Coven man, you can see that his body almost seems torn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I looked up the pictures. There's a clear, a very clear difference between the way those bodies were cut. Right. The old Crockin man, his torso has a very clean cut. The um, Cloney Coven man, like many bodies at the time, was torn apart by one of the peat cutters, one of the peat cutting machines. Um, but it's very obvious that he was that the old Crockin man was likely cleanly cut at the time of his death. Do we have any information about what he was cut with? How did they make such? Because in my mind, as grotesque as it is. To cut a human in half would take a lot of work and a lot yeah. of chopping and a lot of time. That's a great point. You know, I'm wondering if they used, like, something specific to just chop him in half. Because looking at the photos, it, it looks like it was a one-and-done type thing. It doesn't look like mm-hmm. there was a lot of hacking. It was a very well-done cut. They obviously had uh, some practice in this. Oh boy, there's probably someone whose job it was to do this kind of like gross, torturous killing. Oof. <laughs> so they determined that he is young. He was in his early 30s when he died. And determined, based on his hair and his skin, he was very healthy. He showed few signs of working, um, man- like having working in manual. Mammals. 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 <laughs> he showed few <laughs> signs of having worked physical labor. Just like the Grobelli man, his hands were very soft, and his nails were well manicured. Manicured? Yes. So they were Any well polished on there? No, unfortunately not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, they were well filed. Um, you know, because if I wash the dishes and my hands are wrecked, my nails are cracked and Mm -hmm. breaking off so he obviously didn't do a lot of work with his hands uh they are also able to analyze his nails to find out that he regularly ate meat which is not common of the time most people's diets consisted of cereals grains and um vegetables so that was a sign of wealth at the time and it's kind of a luxurious diet to be able to eat meat that much. And they were able to analyze his diet from his nails. All from his nails. That is crazy. Right? That's amazing. Kind of creepy. I don't know if I want anybody to know what my last meal is. It's amazing that 
I mean, the, how much could people find out from my body? What if all you had left was a hand and your fingertips? Well, I have this, like, really gross bump on the back of my head, like this sharp bump. And I feel like I've been thinking about this a lot since we started <laughs> looking into bog bodies. And I just picture someone finding my skull, you know, years later and being like, oh, my gosh, this woman was, you know, brutally attacked at <laughs> some point in her life. But in reality, this is from my sister throwing a rock at my head when I was four. Still had that soft, squishy. The soft skull, yeah. So I just like. Yeah, yeah. someone might find your skull and think, oh, she was knocked over the head. Lived such a hard life. Like, brute trauma. But no. Forced trauma. No, it was, a, it was a, a childhood scuffle. That's all it was. They determined that the old Crocan man was about six and a half feet tall. Very tall wow. for the time. Remember last episode we talked about the Crusader? Yes. And how he was very tall. Yes. So people were a little bit shorter back then. Mm -hmm. So he was very tall, especially for the time. I guess they were able to determine that by his torso and kind right, of. Right. I was up. just thinking they don't have the rest of his limbs, so how do they know? I'm guessing they kind of filled in the blanks, you know, like. There's a lot of tall. blanks there. Well, and some people just have a long torso. Maybe yeah. he really wasn't that tall. But again, able to infer so much information mm -hmm. from just such a limited in part of the body. Right. So the question is, what went first, the head or the torso? That's my question. Great question. Unfortunately, we don't know. The only information we are able to glean is that the torso and the head were both cut off at the time of death so the moment we've all been waiting for what happened to this man at the time of his death well there was on his upper left arm there was some kind of wound which they think is a defensive wound so okay. they're coming at him he's trying to fight him off so this so maybe it wasn't a sacrifice it could have been a sacrifice I think if I was being sacrificed, I still would probably fight someone off. It's my last, my last ditch effort. He was also stabbed in the chest, and he was also strangled. And they put, again, this is one of those things we don't really know, was this, did this happen before or after his death, but they put hazel branches, like hazel wreaths, through the whole, like through his skin on his arm. Which hopefully happened post mortem. That feels like a torture move. It does. You know what? You're right. It does feel like a that torture move. That feels like some medieval torture type deal. Right. It also functioned to help him to be, to like stay at the bottom of the bog. But you're right. It does seem like some kind of torture move. Additionally, and get ready for this, uh, his, his nipples were sliced. So every time I read how these people died in the bog bodies, I have you ever heard that TikTok, like that TikTok audio where the guy's like, her arms were cut off, her legs were cut off, her tongue was cut off. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we should make a TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we totally should. Watch out. Uh, plot twist TikTok coming to an, 
a store near you? I'm thinking the same thing. I don't know. Uh, You'll find us at Walmart. Anyway, sorry. His nipples were sliced. Just let that sink in for a minute because that that pains me. I'm in pain thinking about that. I actually have full body chills. I, I am also in pain thinking about that. See, I didn't think that it was sacrifice when you said there was a defensive wound. But something about the nipples feels almost like that could be ritualistic. Right? Yeah, there's just... Because it's, it's just so odd. It's so odd and so specific. So one of... I just This is just painful for me to even talk about. But back in the this era, nipples on like a king were symbolic. I guess that's all I'm going to say about what? that. What? I've never heard of this. Me either, until I read about this, unfortunately. Like, it was like the subjects would, I don't even know if I can say this, but like, would suckle on the nipples of the king. Of the king. As a sign of, like, subjection. Like, they wanted to do this? I don't or know. This I, was torture. I th- no, I don't think it was torture. Or they felt I think it was just to suckle like, on his neck. Yeah, I feel like it was a it was like symbolic. Wait, okay, hold on. This is what I'm picturing in my mind. Wait. I I'm shook. I'm um, shook. So you know, has anybody watched Princess Diaries? Like where they bring the chicken in and she's like doing all this stuff with like the community on the throne and they're all like coming in and offering things and she's giving them, you know, I don't know, advice for the region or whatever. And she's you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I imagine the community coming in, <laughs> and there's a king there, and, and not, you know, the princess. Sucking, being like, I'm in line to suck on your nip. That's exactly what I pictured. And I, the just the visual. It's like so uncomfortable. just comes in and is like, they go home, they're like, honey, I'm home. Wife's like, oh, what'd you do today? I sucked on the king's tits. <laughs> I okay, mean, I don't know like how common this was if this was like a co- close confidence or whatever like showing a sign of loyalty honestly I didn't look into it because I was so uncomfortable <laughs> with the whole topic but yes so what that suggests is that he may have been some sort of failed king once the nipples were harmed that would make him incapable of kingship so this is very very fascinating stuff it is and you know what's even more interesting is that the same thing happened to the cloney caven man who is the one who is found not too far away right so it obviously does seem like some sort of ritualistic or symbolic thing so I guess both of them may have been failed kings, failed uh, people in line for the throne. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's... No more sucking on those nips. <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. So maybe... Yeah. 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 <laughs> so... So the old Kraken man was also found with a bronze pendant with little copper alloy rivets on it and a leather armband so again i don't know if this was symbolic or like part of his 
regality. Yeah, I'm like, that sounds very regal. Like, it does. Like, what you see in depictions of, like, kingship. Right. So, sounds like maybe he was some sort of, I don't know, lord, and he failed his duties and so was able unable to rule anymore. There's got to have been, like, some really, really important, you know, individual at the time. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, like, he was really pampered. He had these accessories. <laughs> accessories that were, you know, pretty fancy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, then the other thing. Right. Uh. We, we don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> so, another... I don't know if it's an aspect or another, I don't know if this goes in hand with him being killed for being a failed king, or if this is a totally separate um, option, but they think he also may have been sacrificed to that goddess we were talking about, the goddess of land, war, sovereignty, um, fertility. fertility. Yeah. So he was... And I read this in a lot of other uh, bog bodies in their manner of death. They, they were killed in multiple ways. So he was strangled, decapitated. Um, he was stabbed in multiple places. So they have multiple means of death. And they think that that is um, part of the ritual for being sacrificed to this goddess. So it's also possible, since she is the goddess of sovereignty, that he failed his sovereign duty, and they also sacrificed him to maybe have a new leader. This is fascinating. Isn't it? And for the, I just got to keep saying this, but we found some, so much of this information out just from his torso and arms. Not even half a body. Less than half a body. Yeah. They also were able to find his stomach um, and able to, analyzed the contents of his stomach. Ooh, okay. And they found buttermilk and cereals, some sort of cereal. And that was also likely indicative of some sort of ritual. Because, again, he ate a lot of meat. This is a little bit different than what he would normally eat. So they think that that was some sort of part of the ritual. Like ritual, last meal type thing. Exactly. Exactly. And they, he also may have died in the winter because he wasn't eating vegetables, buttermilk, and, you know, maybe some, like, dried per- cereals would mm-hmm. be things that they could have year-round. So maybe he died in the right. winter when there was no vegetables. So, anyway, <laughs> he's now displayed in the National Museum of Ireland, or what's left of him. Which, again, why didn't we go see him when we were that in... That was probably in Dublin, right? Yeah, it is in Dublin. Of course. We didn't get to see him. Right? I'm I'm regretting this because... Another dead body on display that we haven't been able to peer into. But it's a good opportunity, or a good excuse for us to go back. Yeah. I mean, I would truly love to take a trip to a lot of these very famous deaths that are on display and just kind of like make a whole trip out of it oh that'd be incredible like that'd a, be so cool like a like a death tour kind of like that dark tourism oh, type yes 
that would be fascinating. Hey guys, I just want to highly recommend this documentary. We touched on this a little bit when we were talking about the bog bodies in our podcast, but we didn't go into depth. Um, this is the bog bodies of Windover. There is a YouTube documentary uh, from Absolute History. It's the 7,000-year-old bog bodies of Windover Pond. So highly recommend. We, I think we both watched this um, for our research, and it was great. Watch it. our episode for the day. I hope we gave you some lovely things to think about as you're lying in bed tonight. Janelle is going to finish us out with another excerpt from Grabelle Men. Who will say corpse to his vivid cast? Who will say body to his opaque repose? And his rusted hair, unmat, unlikely as a fetus's, I first saw his twisted face in a photograph, a head and shoulder out of the peat, bruised like a forceps baby. But now he lies, perfected in my memory, down to the red horn of his nails, hung in the scales with beauty and atrocity, with a dying gall too strictly compassed, on his shield with the actual weight of each hooded victim, slashed and dumped. Stay tuned for episode three and follow us on Instagram at official underscore plot twist and send us your DMs with any ideas or suggestions for our next episode. Resources are in the show notes and um, music credit to Matthew Modena. Thank you, Matthew Modena. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys next time. Bye.